You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. Today we are going to be talking to a basketball legend. She is a two-time Olympic gold medalist with USA Basketball. She's also in the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. She was USA Basketball Female Athlete of the Year. And she played in the WNBA and was an original franchise player for the Sacramento Monarchs. And she's the only uh, player to have her number retired with the Monarchs. And she goes by Mighty Ruthie. Welcome to the podcast, Ruthie Bolton. Uh, Thank you, Lila. Finally, finally, at last, we uh, joined together. Thank you for your patience and your persistence with me. Oh, you are a busy woman. You're traveling the world. (laughs) I, through the summer, did the same. And so it was just so hard connecting our two schedules. Yeah, but uh, but it's good to be here. I'm proud of what you're doing. This is really awesome. So thank you for this platform to really share so many amazing stories and obviously including yours. Well, I'm excited for the listeners to hear your story a little bit. First of all, how did you get the nickname Mighty Ruthie? Oh, wow. Well, you would think it would be because the Mighty Ruthie, you would think it because I'm the 16 of 20 children and I had to fight my way to a, a table with eight chairs and get me a chair. So that's that's mighty within itself. <laughs> but uh, but now my teammates gave it to me later on as I continue to play. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that name. That's my nickname. That's the Nike commercial they did. If I feel like it embodies who I am for it. They, they and then I, the most time when I go to schools, I said I didn't give myself that name, my teammates and my family, because and I believe it just because. I was a type of person and player that sacrificed for each other that I never made excuses. It was like, Hey, you know, if you say jump, I say hi, hi. And I just had this resilience and this persistence. And, and, and my coach said with the Olympic team, she said, I can trust Ruthie in my foxhole. That's a military term. And it's huge in the military because you were in the, you in fire. It's a danger zone and you could trust someone by your side that can go with you from hole to hole. So I, it's an honor, and I, I I want I wear that name proudly because it just means that you know what how to every day every opportunity I'm being the best version of me. Yes, I agree, and and I believe I'm sure that's part of your story of how you even became an Olympian and a gold medalist, like you said, and just how you do everything. I. I feel like you can watch people and it's not just talent. Obviously, everybody can respect and loves to see super talented athletes. But I think all of us know stories of people who have so much talent and they just waste it because they don't care and they don't try. And then you see other people who had to overcome and maybe you didn't have as much talent, but they have more heart and passion and grit that they can overcome those that are more talented than them. Let's go back a little bit before we get into some of your basketball stuff. And what was it like growing up in a family with 20 children? I mean, what, what was that like? What was the biggest thing you took away from that? (laughs) Wow. Growing up in a family of 20. Oh man. It was, my dad was a minister. I'm a PK kid. And so we we were in the church on the side of the church over the church. It was it was very churchy churchy, and it was constantly. But uh, but growing up in a family of twenty was uh, I at the time it was a lot of fun. But there was some sacrifices. I, I always tell the kids. I said when I go to elementary schools, I said I was a cookie monster. And imagine 
I said, mom, can I have a cookie? And she said, how many are there? I said, there's, I'll count. It was like 10. No, you can't have one. It's not enough. I'm like, mom, please. I'm like, then I said, what about a popsicle? How many? I'm like, there's 13 popsicles. Well, it's not enough for everybody. So I couldn't get one. So I'm like, somebody has to eat it. So I always tell them I would. I said, so one time I was a little bad girl. I was going to sneak a cookie and go behind the house and sit and eat my cookies. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. But it was a good trouble. But anyway, but now it was a lot of sacrifice growing up in a family that big, but a lot of fun. And my dad was real big on discipline. So on a serious note, my dad didn't play the radio. We couldn't call each other out their name. I couldn't call my twin brother stupid, even though maybe I felt he was at times. I could he said everybody was given a name for a reason. And he's he loved all of us the same, but we all bring home our own report card. And he said, if you make it a habit of calling your brother dumb and stupid, and that and it'll just become a pressure in their head, and that's what they'll think. So he didn't, we couldn't do it. If it, if it was John, if it was my twin brother Ray, my sister Mayola, Tanner, so we had to call each other by name. And my dad was very consistent about that it wasn't you know it wasn't like okay certain days we can catch my dad in a different mindset my dad was consistent that's what parenting is is being consistent and not and it and it you know it played dividends in my life it's really just to say consistent my dad was structured and you know he was just uh he was a man of uh he was a small guy but he was uh big in statue in his wisdom he was uh he was he was my rock Wow, that's pretty powerful. I mean, I have three sons and the way that they fight, I'm picturing 20. I can't even imagine. So I'm you assuming- enough. That You need three more girls, Leah. Just three sons. Come on. That's you know you problem. need a little, Leah, a little Leah. That is, that's the problem. <laughs> um. Okay, so then tell me, how did you fall in love with basketball? What was that journey? Well, you know, being from a big family. Now, being from Mississippi, sports, and when you, you I know people that listen to her, have listened to her, the story about a rim- a tie rim on a tree. That is so true. Like literally to the day, it's still there. Um, and it's so growing up in a big family, you can't play individual sports, not even sports with two or three. Everybody had to participate. So we had in basketball, you can get five on five. So that's 10 right there. And then after one game, there's another 10. And then we had a lot of cousins over because check this out. My mom had 20. Five miles away, my mom, my mom's sister had 18. Okay, seven miles away, another one had 12. And yes, and so and so it was just so many of us, you, you couldn't dare. Like there would be one group playing basketball, another one jumping over a puddle of water, another one doing relays in the road. It was like a boot camp. That I call that oh, my man. battleground. That's really where I started becoming. And it's a, I got a fence story I'll share with you, but that's where I got the really the foundation of me, my strength. I was, a, I was a major tomboy. I know they don't use that word too much these days, but I seriously was. I was more of a boy than my twin brother was. I have a twin, and I was very physical, and I love outdoors. Like, I didn't want to do have anything to do with the kitchen, washing. I felt like that was way too easy. So I wanted the hard stuff, the stuff that challenged me. <laughs> yeah, well, I love it. You just had that built-in, like you said, team and of competitors and, like you said, extra teams. I mean... And then what, what number were you in, in the group of 20, what, you know, 16 or 20. So I'm, yeah. I'm a, so then yes. everybody's older. You gotta, you gotta find a way to fight the older ones. Yeah, it was, it was a very competitive environment. And like I said, I, I love competition. It could be, we literally could see who could climb up the tree the fastest, who could jump over the most fence that who could jump the fence. Cause we lived on about 15 acres or so a lot of fences. And my dad always say, don't climb my fence because you'll tear them down. Walk through a gate. If you go, if you go, 
if you can jump over a fence, that's fine. But he didn't like us climbing over it. So we were like, okay, hey, we're not going to go all the way over there to a gate. We're just going to jump, leap the fence. And so that became a sports. That became a, a really sports. And if we, if we, I, I, I may bring that story up later because it's a story that talks a lot about that's really sort of my foundation to be honest it's I, you know i always talk about what is your why when you know your why you know your way and that experience really i would say was a foundation of everything i eventually became it got get over the fence and and i can share it now if you want if you want yeah, me to. sure i'd love to okay paint this picture a field that i paint me with a really bad jerry curl you know, you may be too young to know the Jericho Hill, Leah. You may be too young. No, I know, I know. In a, in a field, and I was like, as I was a tomboy, I stayed outside. And time my baby brother left to go out, I was with him. So, and he was very athletic. He was a he was a specimen. So, this one particular day, as we were jumping fences, as I proceeded to jump over this one fence, a chicken fence, it was a little bit different. They added different wires to it. And my sister Mayola was phenomenal. She had these long legs; it was easy for her. I tried to jump it, and as I got to the fence, fear set in, and I couldn't. I was like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "I could I just shook it off," and I, I attempted it again. It seemed like it got higher and higher. And even my sister came to show me. She said, "All you gotta do is just one leg up like this, and just don't even think about it. Just do it." I said, "I know. Okay, I got it." And every time I get to the fence, my fear it just I it, it the fence was like it was a giant, like it was way up in. I'm like I was just getting I was freaking out. And they were like, you know what? Just come on with us. I said, no, I got to jump this fence. I know I can do it. So I pondered with that fence way too long. Now the street light came on. And back then, you had to be inside. There was no negotiation. The street light, when the street light came on, we had about two or three minutes, top five. And I was like, I don't want to go inside. I want to jump this fence. They said, don't worry about it. We're just going to let you just uh, start what we started the next day. I said, no. Uh -uh. So I remember going inside, miserable. Woke up the next day before anybody got up. And I said, I know I can do this. Just take your time. You got it. Take a deep breath. You got it. You got it. And I thought about all the things you do when you jump the fence. How you plant your foot. Your other foot comes up and just grit using core. And I remember taking a deep breath. I said, you got to do it in the first try. Because if I didn't, then it was going to feel going to set in again. So I took a deep breath and I started running. I said, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm trying slow motion like bottom woman. And I get to the fence, I close my eyes, and I put everything I had in that shot, in that, in that shot, but in that leap. And I landed, went up and landed over the fence, but I could I didn't quite land on my feet. I was so surprised I was over the fence. I think I landed sideways and like, oh my God, I did it. And I like literally celebrated that moment out there on that fence, looking up. And I would think about why was that moment so important to me? There was uh ESPN wasn't there, USA Today wasn't there, the, the Olympic Committee. There was no one there to put me on in the cameras, but it was something about that moment. And, and I think about, I was about 13 and 14. And when I jumped over that fence, what helped me get over that fence is that I started looking beyond the obstacle. Because sometimes we get so caught up in life where we, the obstacle camouflages what really is on the other side and the fear. So once I started seeing myself celebrate on the other side, that's when I got over it. And I believe that's the day that I started becoming everything I've become. Because I didn't make excuses. There was no peer pressure to do it. It was just me. It was that grit. And I guess you would say that's where the mighty really come from. Because even though I got the name later on, that grit, even my own sibling was like, they thought I was crazy. Like, you crazy. You don't have to do it. We, we telling you, don't do it. Just, you know, join us. I said, no, I don't want a shortcut. I got to do it. So that's something to me that was burning for me to do it. Carried on with me. And that's what gave me that resilience, that inner tenacity where when 
other people say no, some inside of me says yes. And so that's really what the foundation of me just knowing how to just say, okay, if I dig deep, if I really dig at the core of who I am, I get the answers I want and I feel that I'm, I'm, and the results has been pretty good. So that's where I know how to self-motivate. In other words, I know how to self-talk and I know how to just find that, you know what, just, okay. And then, so that helped me like later in life, so many, so many times. When I listen to your story and I think that importance of, of talking to yourself, you were, you were telling yourself, you can do this. You will do this. You're not listening to outside voices. You're not listening to the crowd. You're not listening to your siblings. You're thinking, (laughs) no, I know what I'm setting for myself. And then setting that standard high right? You, you chose like, this is the higher standard. You didn't have to set that high standard. They weren't setting the high standard necessarily for themselves. So you didn't have to. And, you know, when you were talking about your dad and kind of how he said, Hey, here's how we're doing things. I really am a firm believer in people will rise to the standard or, or they'll bail out right right. before him. Like that you said, I feel like with my, you know, the colleges I played college, I played for and the USA team, like when those standards were set super, super high, it was the people right. that wanted to have they that wanted. standard. And you find that in life too, right? So I love that. I love that message. What happened when you left your family? You ended up going and playing at Auburn. How was that being away from your family? Were you just well, like, just oh my gosh, story. freedom or loss? <laughs> you know what? It, it was, I was a very family girl and, you know, and I, I just, I was, and I, I believe it or not, I was shy. I was shy. Didn't have a lot of words. They said my twin brother took all my words. So, but that, that experience giving over that fence was a epic moment in my life. And it prepared me somewhat for the next level, but there's still, I'm still growing young. I'm still young. I'm still growing and learning. And, and believe it or not, and I don't even know if you know this part of my story, but the, I, I wasn't recruited as my sister was. Mayola was highly recruited. She was a superstar, like people saw her, like everybody knew her. She, I was Mayola's sister because she was going to all the trials. She was a beautiful player, beautiful person, smart. She did. I'm talking about, she was a complete sister. Unbelievable in basketball. I'm talking about, it was constantly colleges coming to the house. She had bags of mail. She was valedictorian. No, salutatorian, that was the second one. She was in beauty pageants, beautiful. She was in talent show, the scene. She would just had it all. And I was just like, man, that is a perfect sister. And I'm like, well, hey, I just break me off just a little bit. Matter of fact, true story, I would even let her just give me your hammer down boyfriends. The ones you don't want, I'll take them. So sick. There's one guy that she was like, I don't like him. He way too short. I said, I'll take him. Send him my way. It's funny. But anyway, I always talk about how she was just his perfect sister. And so anyway, so as I prepared to try to go to college, she went to Auburn and no schools really wanted me. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, and this really, when I go and I, I do a lot of stuff for sports world and they... And I know you've done some stuff for them and you know their process of you're not born winner or loser, you're born choosers. And so I got, I just came back from a two weeks doing a lot of sports work stuff and I share with the kids and I said, I know these ain't the worst, the hardest decisions you make in life. I said, but that moment standing at that bus and I literally get choked up even thinking about it. I said, when I didn't get recruited, I was, I was so upset. I was mad at the world. I was a Christian there, but I, my faith wavered. I said, this church stuff don't work for me. And I was really upset. I said, life sucks. I said, two and two is not adding up to four. I've been a good girl. I've only got one spanking in my entire life. Uh, I always try to learn and I'm obedient. And I just felt like I just got a short end of the stick. And so my dad would say often, if a door closed, get through a window. Okay. He often say positive attitude. So all the things he would teach us, it was really coming into play because I had decision making. The clock was ticking. 
I either get on that bus and go to Auburn. And that's what they told me. I called them. I didn't want to. My dad said, give him a call. You sitting here complaining. We're about, you know, you giving your power away. So I called Auburn and they said, yeah, you can, I could come, but I could, I wouldn't probably play to my senior year. I was just a different player than my sister. I had to ride a bus. I'm thinking like she flew a private jet and I, and I'm have to ride a bus. And it wasn't a jealousy thing. I was proud of her, but like I started to lose confidence in myself, even a little bit. I had like, this is the, I'm, it's obvious that I'm not, that I'm, they, they think something different about me that I, I don't have much value. And so I almost walked away. I remember just like shaking my head. And my dad said, he said, think about it, pray about it. He said, because this is your decision. So I, but I, anyway, so I get on the bus and go to Auburn and not knowing if I would even play at all. Cause they, they, they challenged me. They said, we were under the scholarship, which was a great thing because they promised my parents. But the reality is that you probably won't. They say, I probably won't even make the travel team. And so you, they, they were really saying I was going to be miserable there watching my sister do all the things. And it was a, such a scary place. It was such a scary place. And I remember my father saying, get on that bus and go. He said, this may be the most important ride you ever take. And he said, besides, if you get to Auburn and don't make one basket, he said, God loves you. You're going to be fine. He said, you're going to be okay, though. This, he, there's a toughness inside of you. I'm thinking like, well, my dad believed more of me than I do in myself. So I said, I get on the bus and I always ask the students, I said, the athletes, I said, what, what year you think I played, you know? And they guessed, guess, guess. And I, I played, I started my freshman year. So at the same school that didn't want me, I saw it in my freshman year. So that's sort of one of the main stories I tell at Sports World because it really, even coaches that didn't recruit me would have never imagined that in four years at Auburn, we won 199 games and lost 12. And we won three conference championships. And, and I still was developing, but I played just on pure grit. Still couldn't shoot, still had a bad Jerry curl, you know. <laughs> so, But I played on pure grit. And that experience was a foundation to everything I've done in basketball. Like I went and so I know what it feels like to be unsure and to be scared. Like I'm on that bus. Like, what am I doing? Like how many more ways can they tell me that I suck? But I did it because I knew my why, you know, there's a saying when you know your why, you know your way, but when you lose your why, you know, you lose your way. So my why was, I just wanted to play basketball. Like I love that program that WNBA does uh, have just like, let me play. You know, I thought about doing a book called Just Let Me Play For It and More For Girls, like Let Me Play. And uh, it just because it's it even coaches like what you did, it's the most like I was the only. Anyway, my, my career is when I retell it, it's just really hard for me to believe. Like, man, I did that. Like I literally like it, it look, you know, sometimes when you compare, you know, you saw a look at, you know, similar. But mine was just like this oranges and apples, you know, even just like, oh, my God, it was like. You and then you do have to be borderline crazy a little bit to succeed. People have to look at you and think, like, you seriously, you gonna do that? You gonna take a chance? And so I always tell these students in school, I say, you know what? You may decide to do something way off the chart. You know, maybe no one in your family went to college. I'm going to college and I'm gonna get me a degree. I'm gonna be a doctor. I say, you do that. Or you could say, I want to play sports and I I don't really have any skill. I said, be bold. And I really had my shirt be bold on. I'm looking for it, but I just got this one on. Go, go, go for the goal. And there's through a program that uh, I partnered with called uh, Go for the Goal. Uh, sports, um, sports we're partner with. We did a workshop about a month ago, and I wear a sweatshirt all the time. Even though it's hot, I wear it because it's so – it's that go for the goal, empowering teams to win. I always talk about winning, the right way to win. So I just feel like all these gold medal moments that I've had in my life, I want to portray those in the classroom. And when I go to schools, I'm just like a kid in the candy store. When I go to elementary schools, I just, you know, I middle school used to be the sweet spot, which I still go. I just went to about 
10 of them when I was just away, but elementary schools or is, is where it is. The kids are so impressionable. So using all everything that I've learned in basketball, I say every, I would say my platform will prepare me for a moment like this. And, and I heard this minister say that it's a race to the heart of the kids. We got to get there before the world get there. So I think about tying everything in, how God was engineering my life and 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 will prepare me for this moment, prepare me for a stage that's bigger than me. I know Dr. Keene said this. He said, he said, Lord, show me who I am, what I want to be, what I want to do, and use it for a purpose greater than myself. So I feel like that that parallels to the verse of Luke 12 and 48. To whom much is given, much is acquired. And I know that he's given me what everything he's given me, the challenges, the struggles, everything. And, and it's more details in my story. I just don't want to bore you with the details. So I wrote a book, The Ride of a Lifetime. And my coach wrote the forward to it. And he was he was hesitant because, and he was surprised, like, how are you giving me the right to forward? I'm the one that didn't even believe in you. But I said, Coach, no, you helped me. I said, you challenged me. I said, you I said, you went by what you saw. And that's and it and it validates my dad said, it doesn't matter what people say about you, think about you, it's what you think about yourself. I said, so you just making me better, you know? So, yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I agree with you in the terms of like, it, it is what you think about yourself. It helps when people give you outside belief, right? But it cannot be the core of where you try to grab it, right? You have to believe in yourself. Yeah, yeah, it, it and, is. Good. Yeah, and, I, and, and then believing in yourself. And so I feel like that's everything I've done in basketball is great. I go with medals, all of that stuff. The accolades is fine. But I feel like now, it is to use this platform to help propel students and to believe in themselves. And if I show up at a place and I'm showing my gold medals and this validates their space and it's make a kid. I get so many cars saying, thank you so much. We need more speakers like you. Thank you for encouraging me. You are amazing. Uh, thank you for a remind. I was going to play guitar, but I was afraid. I'm going to try now. I don't care if I do fail. I don't care how I sound. But it's like giving these kids this, 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 this push. And so I just feel like all of this stuff just preparing me for a moment, like now for the kids in school. And that's all of my new, my new why is empowering the students in school. And it just, and it's, it's, it's to me, it's the, it's the best way to win. It's better than playing winning in, ba- in basketball. I agree with you. And you've done so many different things. And I do want to touch on that a little bit, but to me, like, yes, we can talk about the gold medals and winning it. And people of course like to know how that feels, but it's really like, what made you an Olympian? And you just shared that story with us. Like that's where it began. It began in your youth. It began when you jumped that fence, it began when you had to earn your way and it didn't matter. Like, okay, they weren't even looking at me and you could have given up. But then when you, you know, when you said yes, and even for me, like I was not, I was recruited by just a few schools, same thing, but it happened to be the right school, probably just less similar for you, whatever that path was to getting there. And then you just blossomed. And that's, that's kind of what happened um, with me as well. So you, you're an author. You've written, how many books have you written? Uh, well, I would say I had ghostwriters. I had uh, the right of a lifetime and then pain to power is about domestic violence. And uh, we'll probably have to do another podcast for that one. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> for um, sure. But yeah, from pain to power. And then I'm doing one with my sisters, with my 11 sisters now title I can because I am 12 sisters 12 stories 12 triumphs or 12 victories what do you think that's awesome that's that's great we our launch date is in March if no February so maybe sometime we can do I don't know women's month it's in March so maybe we can come on here we can find a, t- a area of space big enough where we can do a, a, a zoom and maybe uh, for all of us to just share 
Let's do about. it. And I really encourage them to, because I wanted to do a third book um, about just the benefits and, and the power of transparency and honesty, like doing this documentary of Mighty Ruthie and, and, and the truth behind the mighty and talking about, I was being transparent, talking about domestic violence. It was hard. It was, it was, oh my God, I could, I cried all tears I can cry. When I, I lived life, it was like nothing. I was so, it, it took me, it just was such a trigger, but I, I didn't want to do it, but I decided to do it because she, when she said, I know it's your decision, but to do this documentary and, um, and share your story about domestic violence, is going to save women's lives. And I was like, okay, I'm all in. So that book from Paint Power goes into details about that. The Ride of a Lifetime is about my basketball. And then the book with my sisters, I can because I am, is really just talking about walking into your greatness. I am. What is your I am? Everything that follows I am dot, dot, dot. That's your destiny. That's your, that's you. You know what? God designed all of us. And and, and like some of my sisters was like, oh, I ain't, nobody don't hear my story. I ain't got nothing. I said, yes, you do. And we're all in ministry. I say, we're even more, we, we're even more accountable. Because we are taking on a, a different role, a different higher, a, I don't say a higher position, but we've taken a call in the ministry. They're all ministers. I'm just using my story. I'm not a minister, but I'm reaching and teaching and using my life. I'm a reacher and a teacher. And that's what I like. And so we're doing this book and I'm excited. I told my sister, they don't even understand the magnitude. Just when I share it with women, they're like, oh my God, I can't wait. But there's so many, your story, like my sister that dealt with a lot of stuff about forgiveness, knowing how to forgive. I'm trying to tough. I'm like, what she went through, most times people tell that story from prison, okay? But she mm. went through and she had to go through it. So I said, you're going to have so many people that, women, anybody, but definitely women that don't like learn a lot from the forgiveness. Uh, so anyway, so that book I'm excited about. I'll, I'll inform, uh, inform you more on that. Uh, mine is being bold, being might have been the best me. How do I be the best me? And really sort of a I'm probably going to do a book off that because we all get a chapter and they're going to realize through this one chapter, they all going to want to do a book. I'm telling you, the freedom, when you are liberated from your own fears, you automatically yes. afraid of it. When they start our soul, the, what I want to do beyond that, and I am Lord, I said, Lord, keep enlarging my territory. I said, Lord, keep giving me all these things. I was like, you know, you got to watch what you pray for, but I want to do one saying, and I haven't, I'm not sure if the title, I either, my heart says yes or send me, I'll go. And I want to make it, I want to definitely gonna have a spiritual tone to it, but I want to be able to, you know, to reach all athletes because I do so much speaking for FCA and sports world and I'm in this place. It's like, I just, you know, and then also too, on top of that, I'm going to do that. And then I want to do another book for, um, I have a journal called Journey With Me for middle school girls, but I want to do something for elementary. Like I'm so in love with these elementary kids. You don't even know. I They are just so adorable. So I feel like, because I want to, you know how I want to prevent. I don't want to wait till injury happen in the sport. You know, well, if I get if I get an injury, I'm gonna go get an MRI. I'm gonna get a, my knee tape. No, I want to prevent. How do I prevent an ACL injury? Uh, how do I prevent an ankle sprain? It's do the exercises and so that I can. I don't want to have to be injured if I can learn. So I want to be able to. These kids are very impressionable, and I did an illustration where I had a, a wet play-doh and hard play-doh. I want to, these kids are like wet play or you can mold and shape and they're so, they're just open. They're so beautiful. They're just like little angels and like heaven set. And then you get, you know, you get this hard play though. You can't mold and shape it as much because it's built with fear and anxiety, resentment. I'm not good enough. Hate, shame. So let's go in this early state. Let me prevent them. And that's where, where my heart and soul is. And those, so those are the last two books I want to do. Finish my sister book and then do one for teenagers. For uh, teenagers and uh, and then do one for elementary. Like I'm trying to get it all. 
I'm trying to go for the gold, Leo. I, I want it. I'm greedy. I'm, it's like I'm sitting before a plate of collard greens and cornbread. I want the whole plate. I want everything. <laughs> well, you've done so many things. Like I didn't even get to mention that yet. So you're an author. You're a speaker. Uh, you had a gospel CD single that I read. Oh, um, I did you... that single. <laughs> I'm going to grab you my medals. Played... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's see your medals. But you know what? <laughs> but think about it. When Lars... Seriously, you asked my anybody in my family. I was like, I didn't. I hated to even give an Easter speech if it was just saying my name is Ruthie. Happy Easter! I was terrified. But the thing about it, when God seen you, and you said, "I go," and He'll meet you where you are. And when He and Lord, girl, He tuned in, Lord, my Terry Kroger. I'm not. I'm not the one to sing in my family. If we had a family concert. I want to sing. I might speak, but I'm not a singer compared to what they do. And I, and I'm constantly singing. I've done some other singles, um, uh, Dream Big. This song that I, I, I speak a lot at, at schools, I sing a lot. I tell the kids, I said, dream big. This is just a course part of it. If you want it, you can do it. Dream big. Pour your heart into it. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. If it were dreaming about, you might as well. Dream big. So that's the core yes. of the song that I remind the kid, not just a dream, but the dream big. And so, uh, and then I sung a song by Incredible for Girls. You're incredible. And so, uh, but I'm just doing these out of just sort of my heart and just more ministry stuff. Like, but I'm not, like, I don't, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't go try it on Boris or America either because I'm not that type of a singer. I sing with the anointing yes. in my heart. But and I'm more of a backup singer. Like I, I can really blend in well. I have a real strong alto voice, so I can harmonize well. But uh, but singing is just something I do it that's off the spirit, just like for the kids, inspire those kids. And and I'll sing to the girls if I got just all girls, which sometimes I don't, but I love all girls. We really talk about the boys. I said, I got a twin brother. I said, he he's I always talk about I said he he ended up being a cheerleader and I was Olympian. I said, he I said, I got more muscle than him. I said, boys, we we the girls, so we girl power. And I would tell the girls, I would say, I said, I want you, when you look in the mirror, I want you to say, I'm incredible. I'm incredible. I'm that princess. I'm that girl who could change the world. Incredible. I'm incredible. I'm that princess. I'm that girl who could change the world. You better believe it. I'm that girl who could change the world. Incredible. Then I said, repeat this affirmation after me. I am. They said, I am. I am. I'm incredible. So that's an affirmation song, just a chorus for it that I sing to little girls. So everything is done with intention and being intentional about it. And I just, I don't know, at this stage in my life, I feel like all the things I've gone through, the hoops and it, everything is like to a place of just being obedient and really just being an impact. Because I see a lot, I lost one of my teammates uh, about two, two and a half months ago, my Olympic teammate. And and I just, you know, what what are we leaving? What are we doing? What are we, what is the legacy that we're leaving? Like, what an impact. You know what I'm saying? We we came in this world with nothing. And you know I have these. I came in this world with nothing. I'm taking nothing out. And I feel like, so, Lord, you put me on the biggest stage in life, in basketball. You know the percentage of athletes make it to the Olympics? You put me on the biggest stage. And I said, I owe it to the world. I owe it to every young girl, every boys too. And so I'm like, I'm in a full-court press, Leo. That's why I heard up. That's why I wear my uh, whistle. So when my kids hate, like, Mom, you in that doggone whistle. They said, don't blow it inside. I said, oh, this is my whistle. It's game time. That's how you win. It's game time being intentional, full court press. 
I don't know if you ever played basketball, Leah, but hey, I love, I used to love the press because I was like, man, I'm getting at you. It's about to be a bad day for you. So I feel like we got to come up bold and courageous with, in the, with, the, with the devil because he's trying to steal our kids. And we got we to be aggressive and we got to be intentional. We can't sit back in the zone and just let him do what he's going to do. And then we try to, yes. no, we got to be proactive. And that's what I did in my life when I got on that phone and called Auburn. When I said, did I want to do it? Did it feel weird? Yes. I'm like, man, I got to go call them. Man, this sucks. But I was proactive and that's why, you know, I'm here today. So we just got to be intentional, proactive. Like, hey, we got to be bold. And hey, you know what? And we at least got to, we just got to be there. We got to stand the gap for our youth and feel God is holding us accountable. All of us professional athletes, all of us, he holding us accountable. We got to step up to the plate. Baseball, literally step up to the plate. That's right. Well, hey, I was, I'm a terrible basketball player. I don't know what it is. Like, I mean, maybe defense, I don't know, but definitely cannot shoot a basketball. It was just, it's not my thing. I was a great soccer player. I like got all these awards in high school and, and then softball, of course, was my thing, but oh man, but it's so fun. I love listening to your story because I can relate to so much of it. And, you know, I just speak to athlete after athlete who has just a similar story of it wasn't about being the star growing up. I mean, obviously there's talent there. You couldn't go to a certain point, but it wasn't like you said, your sister, I wasn't the highest recruited, you know, Shea Hill and Brown baseball player was not even recruited out of high school, but then he made it to the MLB and all-star you made it to the Olympics and WNBA. I made it to the Olympics and you know, it's, it's just that path and that journey. So as we wrap this up, I mean, again, let me, I got to put this in there before we get off because people do need to know you were first lieutenant in the army you were college basketball coach you're a high school basketball coach i mean really i don't think there's anything you haven't done <laughs> so let's just i mean you've said a lot you've i did, I so did american, have you on again i did a yes. american ninja warrior and i wasn't good at it because you know what when people see it i i will say i only had barely 30 days to train i did i practiced twice maybe three and i did it for a cause so i always use that too and sometimes you got to laugh at yourself. And I'm strong. I had a great presentation. I fell off. I say I fell off on the field obstacle, but really it was the first. You had to step over these steps and you had to jump up on a rope. But I felt so uncomfortable. Like that was a that was more technique. And I, I, I always talk about if you see yourself over that fence, you'll get over it. But I saw myself falling in the water and that's what I did. <laughs> Listen, if you when you see yourself <laughs> doing something and you see it, that's what you're going to do. So I, I ended up falling in the water. My kids look at me and said, Mom. You are a great Olympian. Stick to basketball. My son, he wants to do Ninja Warrior. So, so that was the thing that I did, but I tried it. I was courageous enough to do it. Fell yes. short, but hey, it's all good. It's 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 the willingness to try. It's the mental, you know, perspective. I feel like that's what I got out of like what you were sharing, like just the power of our mind, the importance of how we talk to ourselves, what we think about ourselves, how we see ourselves, what we're willing to work towards. And like you said, the greatness because some people just don't care right and so you can't make people care but maybe when they hear your story they're going to want to care I know. and i tell them too and this is what i say too i tell the kids i said when i'm leave when i leave here and i give them a little car a little trading cards i said listen i'm not giving you a picture just to look at me i said i ain't even my, my hair is a mess i said whatever i'm always i said when you look at this picture in the morning time at night or whatever i say i wanted to rem it remind you of something that i said i said but if you all if the only thing you think about is basketball then i fail I said, because this is not just a basketball story. This is not just about me. This is something bigger than me. It's about faith over fear. It's about resilience. It's about the power, the mindset. It's about turning no to yes. So all these different things that's going to propel you and move you forward. That's what it's about. It's not just about the basketball. Because you could, 
the, the ball gonna stop bouncing. You could you could play volleyball. You might be assigned to you might care less about basketball, but I got something I want you to hear. I want you to know because I feel like I said when I when I meet students, I feel like I'm in your life because I'm close to and I want to be a part of your journey. I'm praying, praying that today has helped you move forward. It has given you tools in your toolbox to be a better version of you. And that's at the end of the day. At the end of the day, that's it. Dot the I cross the T, T, drop the mic, that's it. Because those are things, and that's important. I'm in this for real. The same way as I play competitively, like I, I don't want to lose in musical chairs. Like I'm a, a fierce competitive. <laughs> so I'm and I said, but I, I, my heart is, is for you. And I'm just, if, if my light don't shine it, it, for Christ, it, 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 all that's in vain at the end of the day. Mm. Well, it shines. And I just know that I'm pumped up after being on any time I get on a phone call with you. I'm just like, yes, let's go. Let's take on the world for all that is good. Let's take on the world. And speaking of that, that's a great segue into this. Leah, listen here. You, we got to get some Olympians. With the Olympics coming up, we got to find a time and find some Olympians and do more like a, we can call it a podcast or what, and we got to advertise and do just like a what at the heart of a champion. My, I'm doing a podcast mm-hmm. with some guys at heart of a champion, whatever, but we, it's, it's a great thing too. It's another, the world is big. It's so much stuff to do, but just some Olympian, we can go with five, six and just us to have a conversation, just share some experiences and just have like, what is the gold card? The gold medal moments. And and we get yeah. to talk about what we've gone through, but also where that a gold medal has landed us. You think about Gail Devers. I wish, oh no, I wish I, I love her. I met her, but you think about what make a champion. Not that she won five gold medals, maybe because the doctor says she'll never walk again. She has some kind of disease, but that, but you know, people need to hear those stories and they need to hear them again. They need to hear them again and again. So I, I'm just, I just felt this in my spirit already that you're going to lead the way. We're going to find five or six other Olympians. I don't care. It could be seven, eight of women. And we're going to have some dialogue and we just going to sit yes. at the table and we just going to just really, and, and it can be just share about what we've gone through so that we can just, we can just pour into people, other women, other athletes. That watching and just make it make it for any any anybody that want to listen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Ruthie, thank you so much for coming on the Gold Standard Podcast. Everything you talk about exemplifies exactly what the gold standard is. And it's all about how you do everything, the expectation, the excellence, the giving, all that you have. And you're wearing the perfect shirt. Go for the gold. Gold standard, I mean- baby. Go for the gold, baby. Go for the gold. Y'all ready? You ready? It's game time. It's game time. Blow the whistle. Game time, baby. That's right. All right. Thank you so much, Ruthie, for being on. Thank (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. We'll see you here next time. And I hope that you had a lot to take away from the podcast today. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.